Truth is not subjective. Suppose for a minute I have another friend who has a uh, gluten intolerance. Shout out to all my friends with gluten intolerance. But suppose I have a friend who's gluten intolerant, right? And just for, for instance, they are very allergic to gluten. Like if you cook with the same spatula as them, like they have a breakout and they're sick for days and days and days. Now suppose that that same person saw a honey bun or a cinnamon roll and it looked delicious. And they said, well, today I just don't think I'm going to identify as gluten intolerant. I'm, I'm going to have that cinnamon roll. And uh, I'm not calling anybody out, but JC definitely, she's not gluten intolerant, but she is lactose intolerant and will enjoy a bowl of ice cream. We've been sharing a series. We started a series three weeks ago, uh, four weeks ago actually now. Started a series on I Am. And, uh, and God is speaking through the series about how that God revealed himself. God revealed himself to Moses on Mount Horeb. And as he revealed himself to Moses, and, and, and Moses had heard about God. Moses had, uh, had heard about, you know, Jehovah and, and everything. But Moses had never experienced God. And so Moses is 80 years old. And at 80 years old, he goes out to Mount Horeb leading his father-in-law's sheep. And there on Mount Horeb, he's he notices a burning bush and it's not consumed. So he walks over to the burning bush and God speaks to him out of that bush. And as God is speaking to him, Moses is overtaken. He's overwhelmed and he, he literally bows before the bush, not worshiping the bush. But because God told him, he said, you take off your sandals for the, feet you're, or the place you're standing is holy ground. And God begins to speak to, to Moses and reveals himself to Moses. And he says, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to tell my people I am who I am. Because Moses said, well, who do, who do I tell? Who do I tell your people or, uh, that sent me? And he says, you tell them, I am who I am, Jehovah uh, Yahweh. Yahweh, which means God is sovereign or God is in complete control. And God was about to deliver the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. And God revealed himself to Moses and to the Israelites, I am who I am. I am in control. And we shared that, that, that first week that we are not in control. And of course, that kind of, that kind of uh, makes us find it difficult to accept. The decisions we make, the words we say, the actions we choose to participate in, the th these do have a bearing on what happens to us. How we choose to live does make a difference, but there is a difference between responsibility and control, and God is in control. I am who I am. And then we talked about, and it also means I am everything you need. And we won't go into that right now, but I am everything you need. And then, and then Judd shared about I am the light of the world. And, and, I, and I made this statement about the light. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Cold is the absence of heat. And when one lives in darkness, it is simply the absence of Jesus in one's life. And then last week I was going to share on I am the good shepherd. And I read the scripture because that's all God told me to do. So we're talking about this I am. Who is Jesus to you? And I want you to know, we all have our own unique needs. So what better way for God to describe himself 
than to say, I am. He can speak to the one facing financial difficulties and say, I am the great provider. He can speak to the one dealing with relationship problems and say, I am the wonderful counselor. To the one who needs salvation, he says, I am the Savior. And to the one who needs a listening ear, he says, I am your best friend. And to the one who needs instruction, he says, I am your teacher. And to the one who needs strength, I am the Almighty. And whatever we need from him in our life, God is saying to you today, and Jesus is saying to us today, I am who I am. So with that said, Jack's going to come and share the next portion of the series, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for that, the, the four of you that clapped. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, it, is, it is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. I always enjoy this opportunity to get to speak. Um, there are so many people here this morning, and that is an amazing thing. It's so good, yeah, so good to see so many familiar faces that we may not have seen in a while, and even some new faces. If I haven't got to meet you yet, my name's Zach. Um, I am the youth and young adult pastor here at St. Mary's Church. And so hopefully I get to meet you afterwards. But if, if I don't, I just wanted to introduce myself really quickly. Um, like Pastor Randy said, we are continuing this series that we've been in, this I Am series. And JC and I had an eventful day yesterday. And um, we got home and, and, well, we got to dinner last night and got to talking a little bit. And sh we were just kind of recapping our day. And uh, she started sharing some stuff that had happened. And I said, are you just going to speak my message for me? Um, <laughs> And so everything that she was saying was kind of lining up with what I'm speaking this morning. And so I, this is very different. Very, we don't do this often. But I want JC to come up and just kind of, sh it was very funny, very short. I wanted to share the kind of story. And, and she, she got her stuff ready this morning. She said, I'm ready to preach. I said, well, come on, baby, let's go. But... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all really thought Zach was preaching, but it's really me. Surprise. No, I'm kidding. I have pregnancy brain. So if I forget something, I just have my notes right here. I honestly don't know why he asked me to tell stories, because if anybody knows me, I'm absolutely terrible at telling stories. Lacey, I see you laughing. Um, but anyways, we went on a day date yesterday because I'm tired about 530. Um, and we went all the way to Jacksonville for Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> Mama was hungry. <laughs> no, I love going to corral. But anyways, so after we got done eating, well, Zach's birthday is in April, so he wanted these specific shoes that he um, has been looking at. So I was like, well, Zach's not really good at directions, so he never knows if we're going north or south on the interstate. So I was like, well, I can I just... I just need to mute my mic at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, he doesn't know north and south. Um, so anyways... I was like, well, I'll just put in the address on my phone and just let him hear it, and I will mute it if it says something, you know, that's going to be close to, like, where the destination is. So we get to going down the interstate. We're, like, 12 miles from where we were. Well, it's, like, 6 miles, 12 minutes. And um, Zach's like, I think we're going the wrong way. And I was like, oh, no. Well, maybe we should just take the next exit, which is St. John's Town Center. And he was like, oh, I know exactly where we're going and I was like, oh, you do? And he was like, yes, I do. Where do you think we're going, Zach? Ulta. I was like, oh, we're going to Ulta. 
Anyways, so I was like, I just kept letting him think he was right. And we've been to town center, and he knows exactly where Ulta's at. And where I was telling him to go or where the GPS was leading him to go was totally wrong. It was the wrong entrance. I don't know why this is taking us this way. And I was like, Zach, just listen to what the GPS is saying. Obviously, it's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. He was like, but I know exactly where it's at. Ulta is not by Target. And I was like, Zach, just listen to the GPS and just let it take you where it's going to go. It's going to take you to the right destination. Anyways, so we're still driving. He's not arguing, but just been like, this GPS is wrong. It's taking you to the wrong place. This is the wrong turn. You're going all the whole total opposite way. And I was like, just listen to what the GPS is saying. So anyways, we take our last turn, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there it is. It's on the left, right here. He was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, surprise, happy birthday. It was the store where the shoes were that he has been wanting. And so we part, we go in, get the shoes, whatever. Um, so later on that night, we were eating dinner, and this is where I forget sometimes what I say, and I was like, boy, do I have a story for your message tomorrow, and I really didn't know what he was speaking on other than just the title, The Way, The Truth, and The Life, um, and I said, um, man, you really thought you knew where you were headed, um, and were so certain that the path that you needed to take, not knowing the real destination, if you wouldn't have listened to the GPS, you would have never made it to the ultimate finish line. <laughs> And the finish line was the name of the store where we got his shoes. So cheesy. So, so cheesy. <laughs> she, yeah, she, she's a comedian. So, um, so that was just too good not to share. But there's times in our life where it was very, I, I don't know, it's just, I don't think it was an accident that this happened yesterday. I don't think that it just happened to happen. But it was like, it was almost like a revelation before this message. There's times in our life, regardless of what season we're in, regardless of what we're going through, where we think we're headed in the right direction. I knew for certain where Ulta was, because JC's dragged me there one too many times. And I said, I know it's over next to this specific store, because I go to this store whenever she's in Ulta, because I don't like to go look at makeup. So I go to this, so I know exactly where it's at. And we think we're headed in the right, right direction, but... Something else, the, the GPS in this instance, or God is leading us in a different direction. All we have to do is be mindful and listen to the leading of God and His Spirit, and we'll ultimately end up with blessings. My blessing yesterday was a pair of tennis shoes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but we'll end up with the blessings that God has for us. And so that, I, it just fit too well. If I could give you an abridged, or a, yeah, an abridged message or a very shortened message, that would be that this morning. And so you got a message from JC. It was, it was JC, thank you for doing that. Um, but there, there were times, jumping into today's message, there's times throughout Jesus' ministry where he's traveling and he has a bunch of people that are following. A bunch of people that want to know what, what he's up to, what he's doing, where, where's he going. Need to lift this up. Um, they said, who is this man? Who's this man that's healing blind people? Who's this man that's raising dead people to life, that's telling people that are paralyzed to get up and walk? Why is he here? What is he doing? What is he going to do? Everybody wants to know who this man is. And what I love about this series is we've been going through this series, and so many people have their opinion of who Jesus is. So many people have their idea of who Jesus is. Jesus even asked his disciples, he said, hey, who do people say that I am? What, is he, what do they respond? Well, some think maybe that you're John the Baptist. 
Some say that you're Jeremiah, or some say that you're some other prophet. And so all these people had questions about who Jesus is. And today a lot of people have opinions on who Jesus is too. Some may say that he was just a great moral teacher. That he taught some good things, but he wasn't really God. Some say that he's a liar. That, that he was just here to gain a following and a name for himself. Some say that he was a revolutionary. That he was marching for, for social justice, marching for people's rights. Some people say that he was just crazy. And the people that were following were just too superstitious to go against him. There are tons of opinions about who Jesus is. But again, what I love about this sermon, the series that we've been going through, is that this series is quieting, hushing all of these voices. And we're letting Jesus speak for himself. There's tons of opinions of who people think that Jesus is, but we're ignoring all of that and letting Jesus speak for himself. Jesus is saying, I am, throughout this whole series. And so, um, the, the, the scripture that we're reading from this morning is from the Gospels, but the Gospels is, is like a novel. You can't just jump in. You've got to have a little backstory to know where we're at, know where we're headed. You can't just jump in the middle. And so Jesus at this time, or a little bit before this, had just raised Lazarus from the dead in a town called Bethany. Okay, Just raised Lazarus from the death, dead in a, in a town called Bethany. And right after what happened is the Pharisees had a meeting of the Sanhedrin. And they said, we have to do something about this man named Jesus. Something's got to be done. And so what happens is they devise a plan to have Jesus to be killed. And in the meantime, Jesus and his disciples, they go into hiding. They, they tuck themselves away and, and they don't come out until Passover. Six days before Passover, they come out. And Jesus went back to the town of Bethany. And at the town of Bethany, there was a dinner that was given in his honor. And at this dinner, we know the story, there was perfume spilled on his feet by Mary. So that's what's happening right before this. And the very next day, they leave Bethany. They go back to Jerusalem. And at this time is when he's riding in on a donkey. And we call that the triumphal entry. It's what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, right? When he rides in on a donkey. Then what happens is they go up to the upper room for a Passover meal. This is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He, he predicts the betrayal of, of Judas and says, hey, somebody here is going to betray me. Then he predicts Peter's betrayal and he says, hey, you're not, only, not only is Judas going to betray me, but you're going to do it three times. And he tells them that he's leaving, but they can't follow him now, but they will later on. So there's a bunch going on here. There's a lot going on here. The disciples are just on this roller coaster ride, and then this conversation happens in the upper room. If you got your Bibles with me, turn with me to John 14, 1 through 7. We're going to read 1 through 7. John 14, starting with verse 1. John 14, verse 1. And I'm reading out of NIV if you're, if you're following along, but it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you, may all, you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. This is what Thomas said. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to stay here just for a little bit and break this down, these seven verses. Just spend a little bit of time and talk about what these seven verses are saying a little bit more in depth. But if you look at one through four, the very first thing, we see this cryptic message from Jesus. And, and it, it kind of doesn't really make sense, but he talks about where he's going and how they know the way and not to worry. This is what it says again. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. And you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And so this is a really interesting few couple of verses. Christians quote it a lot. You hear this, this scripture quoted a lot. And oftentimes you hear it at funerals. Or you hear it when somebody passes away. And often when we hear this message, we think that Jesus has left and he's preparing a place for us. And he's coming back to get us in his second coming. But, the, but, but I, I want to make you, or help you maybe think of it a little bit differently, okay? Again, we think of it oftentimes as we, Jesus has left, and, and he's preparing a place for us, making rooms, and, and, and such, make, making our bed, whatever for us in, in heaven. And then he's going to come back at the second coming. But let me, let, me, let me maybe give you a different perspective or a different way to think about it. Because when I was looking and look, looking at different stuff, many of the resources I was studying pointed towards his death, and then his return from death in the resurrection. And so by going to his death through the betrayal of Jesus and his crucifixion, he made it possible for them to live in the immediate presence of God. And so, yes, he may have been talking about his second coming, but another way, and this may be just for me this morning, it was a fresh revelation for me, but maybe in this moment he wasn't talking about coming again in the second coming, he was talking about dying Three day, in three days, being raised again, and at that moment, they have immediate access to God the Father. His leaving that evening was for their benefit. And then he did come back for them when he was resurrected from the dead. See, Jesus is about to face crucifixion. The most terrible, awful, harm, like painful death that's possible. And yet his concern in this moment is for his disciples. He said, hey, don't let your heart be, hearts be troubled. Everything that I'm about to go through, hey, it doesn't matter right now. I'm focused on you. He tells them to calm your hearts. He's going away to secure their future destiny. He's going away to prepare a place for them. And even though he's leaving, he's coming back for them. Listen, Jesus isn't going to prepare a place for you. Jesus has already went and prepared a place for you this morning. John 14 says, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? They didn't understand at all what this meant. And I think a lot of times we can look at this and become frustrated at how do you not understand what's going on here? How does this not make sense to you in this moment? But, but we have an advantage, right? We have the full picture. We also had the Holy Spirit that would, that would give us answers. At this time, they didn't have access to that. And so, so we had the full picture but also, at the time, it was normal for the disciples to ask clarifying questions. It was, it was normal for them to say, hey, would you just give us a little bit more? What do you mean by this? What, what does that mean? But one of these questions, one of the things that these questions of the disciples do is it draws out more responses from Jesus. 
And so Thomas is saying, hey, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand what this means. All he was asking is for clarification. As, as so often, Jesus, what would happen is he would reveal himself differently to the disciples than he would among larger crowds. And so all Thomas is doing, hey, give me, give me, give me a little more. It's, it's natural for us. It's natural for Thomas. It's natural for everybody to, to just want more facts. It's natural to want facts when you, we don't understand what's going on. But what do we think of when we think of Thomas? Doubting. doubting. Thomas is, is often called Thomas the doubter or doubting Thomas. But the truth is that Thomas in this moment probably captures more of how we feel. Just this just inner, inner mental workings of most people today. I just don't understand. Jesus, Jesus you're talking in code. Like, I just don't understand. what. Just give me a little bit more clarity. We want the facts. We need to understand how everything works. And I think personally, Thomas captures something that we can all relate to quite well. Even though he may be called Doubting Thomas, there's times in our life where we can relate to Thomas very well. He just, he just, needs, his answers, he just needs his questions answered. I just need some facts. And so this is what Jesus says in response to that. John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Here it is. This is today's I am statement. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And this is important for a number of reasons. This is probably one of the most quoted I am statements. You hear it all the time. It, it, it was perfect for us a couple camp seasons ago. We use this as a camp theme. It is so well known, so common. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. But what it reveals about Jesus is very important. Even though you hear it all the time, that doesn't negate how important this statement is. He says, listen, no one comes to the Father except through him. And it really is almost the summary of his whole mission on this world. This I am the way, the truth, and the life is basically the summary of why he has come to this earth. So let's remember the context. I, 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 let's, let's just, let me bring you back with me, okay? Let me remind you of the context of what's going on here. Jesus told them he's leaving and that he's going to prepare a place for them and then he's going to return. Okay, that's the first thing. They can't come with him now, but they will follow later. But he tells them they know the way to where he's going, which is into God's presence through death. So when they ask for clarification, Jesus is saying, I am the way. I am the way into God's presence. And, and that's what he's saying here. Hey, I am the way. You know the way. I am the way into God's presence. But I want to talk about this statement further, but more in a sense of application. How can we apply this? What does this look like? What should we take away from this statement? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there are three things that Jesus is saying about himself. Again, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The first one is that Jesus is the exclusive way to God the Father. Let me say it again. Jesus is the exclusive way to God the Father. First, he's not a way. He's not some way. He's not maybe there's a way. He is the way. And, and so if you think about it right now, there may be five or six, 10, 15, 20, 30 directions that if we were going to Disney World from here, we could get to. 
right? Think about it. We could all drive a slightly different way, slightly different direction, and it's possible for us still to end up at the same place. But then there's other areas where you drive to where there's only one direction. I couldn't think of a good example. I thought maybe the island, but I don't know if there's a back way to, to one of the islands. Anyways, but there's only one way that you can get on or get to this place. And so regardless of, of if you want to or whether or not you like it, you're having to drive over that bridge. Or whether or not you like it, you're having to take that long highway or whatever. The, the, the scenery may be bad, but you have to take that direction. There's no other way to drive there. It's the one exclusive way to drive there. And similarly, Jesus is like this. He is the exclusive way to God the Father. There's no other path to having a relationship with God except through him. Jesus is the only way to have access, to have a, a relationship with the Father. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 says this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. And so listen, we can claim to be a good person. We can claim to be good people. Listen, I've never, I've never done this. I've never done that. I follow the Ten Commandments well. I'm a good person. Hey, I've messed up, but I have never killed anybody, okay? I'm a good person. But Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. You can argue that your sin isn't bad, but this verse here doesn't specify which sin is bad. It says all sin is a big deal. Romans 6, 23 says, For the penalty of sin is death. Not just murder, not just adultery, not just the, the big things that we, that we think of being the big things in the Ten Commandments, but all sin in general. There's no distinction. And at the end of the day, we're all guilty. We've all sinned, we've all committed sin, and we're all separated by, from God by our sin. That's what happened, that's the curse. We've all been separated from God by our sin. But the good news is Jesus has come. The way has come so that we can have relationship with God the Father. He, he's made it right between us and God. And so, yeah, Romans 3.23 says, All have fallen short of the glory of God. But the next verse says, the, We are justified by His grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. We are redeemed by the grace that has been given through Christ Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, Yeah, there may be a penalty for the sin, and it's death. But you know what else it says? It says that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so, yes, we have been separated by sin. Yes, there has been a curse that has happened. And we, before that, we, we are just not great people. And we do things that are not great, but Jesus has come, the way has come so that we can be redeemed, so that we can come back into a relationship with God. Acts 4, verse 12 says, and there is salvation, I love this, in no one else. No one else can you receive salvation, for there is no name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4, verse 12, if you're taking notes, I tell my youth whenever it's a good one, hey, you may want to memorize this one. This is a good one. Acts 4, verse 12, there is no name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. He is the way to God the Father, first of all, because he's revealed the Father to us, as we see in our passage today. 
In verse 7 it says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on you do know him and you have seen him. So Jesus has revealed the Father to us. That's the first way that he's the way. The second one, he's also, uh, uh, because he's opened the way to him. Jesus is the way because he's opened the way to him. And what do I mean by that? If you look at Hebrews 10, verse 19. Jesus has opened the way to God the Father. In Hebrews 10, 19, it tells us, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And so a new way has been opened up after the death and resurrection. His blood has been spilled. And so now we have direct access to God the Father. The curtain, the curtain was torn. The curtain is now his body because of the sacrifice that was made. There's so much imagery there. It's such a cool picture. But because the sacrifice that was made, we have direct access to God the Father at this time. And so, there is no other way to access God the Father except through one exclusive way, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the exclusive way. Jesus alone, and, and we can do that by having a relationship with him. So Jesus, the first one is Jesus is the exclusive way. The second one is Jesus is the exclusive truth. Think about the word truth for a minute. It's a weird word. In today's culture, it can mean a bunch of different things. There's absolute truth, relative truth, subjective, subjective truth. Like, it, it could just mean so many different things. But, but truth is, it, again, it could be such a relative concept in today's society. I was speaking with somebody a while back, and we were talking about facts. Not, not like we, we were talking facts, but then we talked about the, the idea, the definition of facts at that time. And... And the, the person said, well, a fact is generally just something that people agree on. So really, a fact could be anything as long as enough people agree on it. That's not how that works. That is not how, like, it, in that, by that definition, that's definitely an opinion. That's not a fact. A fact is something that's verifiable, that's true, that's accurate. And it doesn't become a fact just because a bunch of people agree on it. Again, that's, that's an opinion. A fact in its very nature cannot be subjective. Cannot be subjective. And so this idea that, that the subjective truth or, or that's their truth. Has anybody ever heard that? That's their truth. That's, that's their, like, that works for them. That's not my truth, though. This idea seems kind of relatively new to us, but it's not at all. It goes all the way back to even during Jesus' trial, he said to Pilate, I have come into this world to testify the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And how does Pilate respond? What is truth? What even is truth? And so Pilate even asks the same question, and a big question. But it's not. Simple answer. Truth is truth. Why? Because it cannot change. Because it is not by nature subjective. Truth is not Subjective. Suppose for a minute I have another friend who has a uh, gluten intolerance. Shout out to all my friends with gluten intolerance. But suppose I have a friend who's gluten intolerant, right? And just for, for instance, they are very allergic to gluten. Like if you cook with the same spatula as them, like they have a breakout and they're sick for days and days and days. Now suppose that that same person saw a honey bun or a cinnamon roll and it looked delicious. And they said, well, today I just don't think I'm going to identify as gluten intolerant. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have that cinnamon roll. 
And uh, I'm not calling anybody out, but JC definitely, she's not gluten intolerant, but she is lactose intolerant and will enjoy a bowl of ice cream. I know Kelly, Kelly's sitting right next to her too, she will too. I know, yeah, okay, <laughs> there's a bunch of people. So maybe it's not gluten allergy, but there are people that are lactose intolerant that do enjoy and, and will make, anyways, anyways. But for instance, the story, somebody that has a gluten allergy or gluten intolerant, they say, hey, I'm just not going to identify as gluten intolerant today. Um, that's just not my truth today. I'm just choosing not to identify as that, as that. What would happen? They'd be miserably sick for days and days and days. Why is that? Because gluten intolerance is, not to, is, is true to some people. To some people, it's very true and it's very real and it's not subjective to the way that they feel. It's just how their body responds to gluten. They can't just wake up one day, make up their mind, and, and, and their personal beliefs change the way that their body reacts. It's the truth. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether they want to have an intolerance to something or not, but the, the, the way that their body reacts is not subjective. It's a fact, right? You follow me? You with me? Their personal desires will not affect their body's response to gluten because the truth is what is real. We can't choose what is and is not the truth. It just is what it is. It is what it is. And so Jesus is the exclusive truth. If you look at me with John 1, verse 1, we, we know it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's a bunch of whiz, bunch of words. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. And the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. And so we see that Jesus is the word of God. Okay, so Jesus is the word of God. But then in John 17, verse 17, it says this. Sanctify them by their truth. Your word is the truth. And so we see that Jesus is the word, and the word is truth. So truth is what is real. You tracking with me? Jesus is the word. The word is true. Truth is what is real. Jesus is, in fact, what is real. There is no other truth. You know, there's this idea of, uh, um, this is kind of going back to the way, but also to the truth. There's, there's this idea of, uh, man, I just, it just left me, not modalism. Um, uh, anyways, I'll get there, and then you'll know where I'm going, okay? Where everything leads to heaven. All religions lead to heaven. What? Some, Universalism, there we go. All these religions are leading to heaven, right? They, some may say, hey, it's got the same ingredients. For, you, you, I, I would say some people uh, relate it to Italian dishes. It's all got the same ingredients, it's just prepared differently. Like, right, lasagna's lasagna, but if you take it apart, you can also make, I, I don't know, any, or Taco Bell. It's all the same thing, it's all the same thing. Just, just prepared differently. And so that's this idea that people have. That, that every, it, every religion basically is made up of the same thing. And so wouldn't it make sense that they're all heading in the same direction, just with a little bit of tweaks, a little bit of difference? Their truth sounds a lot like this person's truth. And, and their way kind of looks like it's heading in the same way as their way, but that's not the case whatsoever. Jesus says, I am the only way. I am the exclusive way. This truth is only my truth. It may look the same, it may sound the same, but listen, I'm telling you something totally different. And, and just being real and honest with you, there's a lot of people that see Christianity and see us as intolerant. 
they see us as people that, that aren't inclusive. Because we make this exclusive, uh, 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 this, this exclusive phrase that Jesus is the only way. But that is the truth. Jesus is, and, and it's not, well, it is intolerance, but it's an intolerance for this idea of universalism, that everything is headed to heaven. No, our Bible says, Jesus, my Savior, has said that he is the only way to heaven. That's, that was my little soapbox this morning. Um, so Jesus is the exclusive way. Jesus is the exclusive truth, regardless if it looks like Taco Bell or not. I don't know where that came from. But, um, but again, all these, all these things don't lead to heaven. Only Jesus. We, and, and I'm going to move on because I don't need to hang up there too long. But um, Jesus is the exclusive way, the exclusive truth. And Jesus is the exclusive source of life. Ephesians 2 Verse 1, if you'll turn to Ephesians 2, verse 1. It says, as for you, as for you, as for everyone in this place, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who were disobedient. And so we all, we all are without Jesus living in death. Without without Jesus, we're living in death, and there is no path to life without him. We are dead in our sins, and eventually we're all going to die. Modern medicine, modern technology can only hold us along for so long and keep us healthy for so long, but eventually our bodies will fail and will pass away because we live in a broken world under a curse. But there is one way exclusive source to life for us to receive, and that is Jesus. We're all going to die, but there's one exclusive source to life. No other path, no other so-called truth will give it to us. 1 John 5 says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is his Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That is simple, very easy, very simple. If you have The Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you do not have life. Jesus is the source of life. And without him, we have no life. We are already dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For in Adam all die. For as in Adam all die. So also in Christ all will be made alive. What does this mean? It means that Jesus is the only way to to have a relationship with, to be right with God and to find new life both here and for eternity, we have to let everything else pass away and have a relationship with God and everlasting, to have everlasting life. And so there is no other way. It's exclusive. It is exclusively offered through Jesus. And so when we follow after Jesus' way, when we walk in his truth, He'll give us life. And so this morning I asked Mason if he'd come. Um, Mason experienced something really cool past this past Sunday morning. And, and I think it's just a testament of if we walk in, in his way, if we follow after his truth, then he'll give us life. And, and I just wanted, Derek, if you'll come too, because I'll be closing after that. just wanted Mason to share what happened last Sunday morning. Yeah, so um, I had 
A couple months back, um, I began to develop really bad problems with my right wrist, which is also my dominant hand. And um, the last probably two or three weeks or so, it has become like really debilitating. I'm a full-time college student, so I'm taking notes all day long. I haven't been able to write. Um, it's been a pain to play the keys and, and you know, do other stuff. And so I began to like settle into, you know, all the fear and anxiety. I went to the doctor. They were wanting to do surgery. It's gonna put me out for like two months and you know, college doesn't stop. So um, I was, I began to just, I mean, you know, I was, I relate to Thomas a lot. You know, like, okay, God, where are you? You know, what are you doing? And um, last Sunday after Zach came up and you know, worship started going, my wrist just began to like kill me, like just hurting me. So I just went on and stepped down and I went and sat down and I just had a, a moment with God and I was like, you know, God, I don't, I don't know why this is happening, you know, I don't know why, why it's all going on, but um, I, I just, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to me and was like, you know, trust me, just trust me on this journey. And, um, and then it, it felt like it all happened so fast. Right after that, Zach turned around and asked me to come back up and play. And I'm like, my wrist is hurting. And, um, but I, I come back up and I start playing and I didn't have any pain. And then Monday evening I texted Zach and JC and, um, I had, it had gotten to the point where I was having to take pain medicine to just make it through the day so I could finish writing and, and play and do all that. And, and I texted them Monday evening, um, with a praise report that I made it through the day without any pain meds and I was able to write all my notes and I've not felt an ounce of pain since Sunday wow. morning. So, uh, yeah. Ma'am, you know, I, Mason shared that with me. Uh, yeah, he said Monday. And, and this whole week, I, I, in preparing this, I was like, how am I going to fit this in? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like try and make it fit. I just wanted to, to brag on God for a little bit. And give, give Mason an opportunity, again, because we talk about how uh, we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So give him this opportunity to share what God has done. But I do believe that when we walk in the way of the Lord, when we follow after his truth, he'll give us life. He will give us life. He's the exclusive way to God. He's the exclusive truth. And he is the exclusive source of life. And so if you will, stand with me. I want to make sure that with all the conflicting messages that's going on in today's world, that, that's going on, that we know without a doubt that Jesus is not a way. Jesus is not some way, but Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. He's the life that, that we have the opportunity to choose. There is no other. He is exclusive. He's exclusive in that he is the only path to God the Father, the only path to being right with him, and the only path to find eternal life. But even though it's exclusive, he is inclusive in that the door is open for everybody. This door is open so that anybody can respond, anybody can walk through. While the world around us, again, wants to believe that you can choose whatever truth you'd like to, truth's relative to you or follow whichever religion. All paths lead to heaven. We know better than that. 
Listen, God would not have sent his son Jesus if transcendence through Buddhism would have worked. God would not have sent his son Jesus if worshiping Allah would have worked or if, if even being a good person would have worked. Jesus would not have sent his son. He wouldn't have sent his son if there was another way, but there was no other way. Jesus is the exclusive way. Jesus is the exclusive truth and the life. And so we're about to go into a time of worship and to a time of response. And, and again, if you've never responded to the call of God, it is exclusive in that there's only one way to heaven, but it's inclusive in that everybody's open, everybody's able to come. And so if you've never made that decision this morning, it's, it's available to you. I'd love to pray with you. It's a simple prayer, and, and we believe once the prayer is made and you believe, then you are a part of the, the family of God. And so if you've never made that decision, I'd love to pray with you this morning. But also, for those that maybe have made that decision, I, I want to leave you with this. If he is the way, then it is much more important that we are the light to the world, like Judd talked about, that we're the light to the world because it is only by him that they will be saved. It is only by Jesus. that. They, so it's so more important, so much more important that we are the light to the outside world. So as we go about our lives and as we go to work and we interact with other people, our neighbors, let's be the light to them. The world is hurting and it's broken and Jesus has come to give us a path out of the pain. Jesus has come to give us new life. So let's honor him by continuing his mission to the lost and to the hurting world. So this morning, that would be my prayer for you is if you, number one, have, have already accepted Jesus as your Savior. If you haven't, again, I'd love to pray with you. But if you have, let us be the light. Let us show the way that God is the only path, the only way, the only truth, the only life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much this morning for this word. God, thank you for moving among us. God, we thank you, God, that you sent your son to die because it was the only way. You loved us enough that required an action. And by the blood that was spilled, God, we now have access to God the Father. So Lord, we thank you that you have given us a way to have a relationship with you. You've given us the way to have a relationship with you. And so this morning, if there's anybody underneath the sound of my voice that have never accepted your, the call to, to, to accept you as their Savior, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to prick their heart right now. God, soften their heart for what you're doing, what you're speaking. And God, for the others, God, that we would respond and we would be the light to the outside world. God, that, that we would be the light to the broken, to the hurting, to the lost, to the suffering. God, that we would show you through us. God, that you would show yourself through us. And let us be the light that you are, that you called us to be. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you'd like to pray, I'm here to pray. I'd love to pray with you this morning. But worship with us.
Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.